0: Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at oursaviorschurch.com. This morning, we're gonna speak back on our message series called Crazy Love, and for those of you who've been here with us, you know that we've been talking about so many things that Jesus did while he was on this earth loving people, right? He he mentioned to us that we should love God the Father, that we should love our neighbors as we love ourselves, and also we should go even further than that, and this is crazy, to even love our enemies. How many of you have you got to that point yet? You're still working on it, right? All right, God's still, God's still working on us. But, but crazy love. And, and that type of love, I mean, it's, it's not something that you're born with. It's something that you have to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in you just to love that way. And thank God we have a, a love in Jesus where it's unfailing, it's unconditional, right? Right? He loves better than anybody else. What No greater love than for a friend to die for us. And he sacrificed his life just like Pastor Kevin was mentioning uh, here for communion about the sacrificial love that Jesus did for us. And so we're so grateful for that. Today, um, I'm going to give you our message title. But before giving you that, I want you to know that my son Mason helped me write this message and he didn't even know it. He and I this week we went to Boston, Massachusetts, and we uh, went to visit Harvard. Uh, he had a, and a, he was at a basketball camp there, and they invited him to an elite camp. Uh, he did an amazing job there, and he's still trying to pick and choose his school within the next year, the university he'll go to. But some of the things I'm going to talk to you about, it's some some of the things that he and I spoke on for the last three days, and I was asking him questions. He was talking to me about things. And one of the biggest things we talked about is the love of God, the unfailing love of God, the unconditional love of God. And I want my children, all of my children, when they leave my home, I'm hoping that all of them have been taught about God's love and they've seen it through me and his his mom. And so today, the message title that we have today is a non-conforming love, a non-conforming love. I want a contrast to contrast two scripture. Now, I want you to, to get your attention on this. I want a contrast to contrast two scripture, And the first one is John 3.16. We're all familiar with John 3.16. That's the gospel message. And like you said, if it comes up in yellow, what, what do you do? It's highlighted where you read alongside, right? Thank you, Vic. John 3.16. We all know this, right? For God so loved the world. That he gave his his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. We hear that scripture all the time. It's the gospel message. It's the reason why we have eternal life. Because as we mentioned, it's a sacrificial love, right? God so loved the world. I'm going to be honest with you. If I had to die for you, you might be in trouble. And I think that for some of you, if you had to die for me, I might be in trouble. There are probably very few people that I would would die for that would be Courtney, Mason, and Sadie. Mason, probably. No, son, I'd die for you. (laughs) But it'd be very hard. That's, That's a crazy love, isn't it? For somebody to lay their life for people who were trying to kill him, who did kill him, who didn't love him, and he died for them anyway. Now, that's John 3.16. And I want to contrast John 3.16 with 1 John, the second chapter, verse 15, and just the first part of that particular scripture. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Hold up. Now, I just said, for God so loved the world. And now, Pastor Myron, you're telling me that you go down to 1 John, the second chapter, verse 15, you're saying, do not love the world or anything in the world? That's what Jesus is saying? So let let, let me get this straight. You've talked about crazy love and the vastness of God's love for this is going on four weeks, right? And, And now... You've also talked about not putting a border around love, right? That love crosses borders. And now you're telling us that you're putting a border up? Isn't that crazy? We spoke about how God has commanded us to love Him, our neighbors, His enemy. And now, Pastor Myron, you're telling me that God is saying not to love the world. Are you confused yet? I think some of you are probably confused. You might be asking this, is this a translation error? Is the Bible wrong? Did the copyists get it wrong? Is God contradicting himself? I want you to know that that answer is no. I want you to understand that in the New Testament, the New Testament is written in Greek, and Greek words often have multiple meanings. The Greek word for world is cosmos. Can you all say cosmos? That's the Greek word. And one of the meanings for cosmos is God's creation. That's his universe and are his people. His universe and are his people. So in John 3.16, when we say, for God so loved the world, John is referring to the people of the world that God loves. We got that. You following me, right? God loves all people unconditionally and so should we. Now in 1 John chapter 2 verse 15, when we say do not love the world, cosmos means the realm of sin and I'm talking about all sin, not specific sin, not the ones that we just We pour out because we've overcome those particular sins. I'm talking about all sin that is controlled by Satan, which is organized against God and his righteousness. God does not love what the enemy has established, and we shouldn't either. Now, does the church, do you agree with me on that? Do you agree with me on that on this side? Are you sure about that? The world is a corrupt system established and ruled by the enemy. Who's the enemy? Satan, whose main purpose is to operate in direct opposition to God. The world has a corrupt value system. It has its moral code and code of conduct. It's an organized network of chaos that rules our social, financial, and political systems do you see what's going on within our nation right now and listen the enemy's hold and his rule is not just on here in this country but it's throughout the whole world right when Adam and Eve were in the garden of Eden and they sinned against God because they were fooled by the serpent they gave up their authority to rule this world got that And so that authority after sin was transferred to the enemy, to Satan. So as of right now, this Bible says that Satan is the ruler of this world. Isn't that scary? Let's go to Romans 12 too, because I want to pack this in and if you have your... Your notepads, your your notes on your phone. I want you to take those out because I want our church to be, I mean, great students of this word. You're going to be the smartest people on earth. Go with me to Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Stop right there. Conform means to be similar in form or to agree. The pattern of this world is talking about the values of the world, the customs of the world. So what Paul is saying to the church, because he's not speaking to unbelievers, he's speaking to the church and he's saying, don't be like or don't conform yourself to this world, to the patterns of this world, to the world's cultures, to the world's sayings, to the world's actions. Don't conform to it. Don't agree with it. Don't say yes to what the world is saying. Then he goes on to say, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. transform is like metamorphosis. It means to change. You know how a butterfly, it goes through a cocoon, right? And then it makes its way all the way through a butterfly, goes from ugly all the way to pretty. And that's the same thing with our mind. Our minds, when we're born, we're born in sin, so our minds are ugly. We come out of our, ba- our mother's wounds thinking and thinking with some stinky stuff. Right? Stinking thinking. But when God transforms us, when we believe in Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit comes in us, the Spirit of God starts to transform. It causes a metamorphosis, a change in our mindset so we don't think like we used to think. How many of you are happy about that? A metamorphosis y'all, a metamorphosis. Loving the world is like having an abusive relationship with someone and we keep coming back over and over again, thinking to ourselves that he or she will change and begin to love us back. How many of you are LSU fans? Oh, it's got people raising their hands left and right. Well, I played at Virginia Tech, got my degree from Virginia Tech, so I'm a hokey. so, but, but, but I'll use this example. If you're an LSU fan, you have your jersey on, what's the color of, of LSU? Purple and gold, right? You're wearing your jersey, but all of a sudden you go to Alabama Did somebody say Roll Tide? (laughs) Cast that person out of the church. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You went to Alabama, you're an LSU diehard fan. So you're dressed like LSU. But then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, you remove the LSU jersey and I see you in that crimson ugly red and white. And then you start to talk like Alabama, roll tide. <laughs> the Cajun Creole accent leaves you and you start to get a whole nother accent. You start to look like Alabama. You start to talk like Alabama. What do you think people, who are gonna think that you root for? Alabama. So isn't it the same thing with the world? When we start to look like the world, we start to talk like the world, who do you think the world's gonna think that we're a part of? So my question, who do you sound like? Who do you look like? Right? I, I want some feedback. Just checking on you. And the crazy part is that we keep going back with the world the world is an abuse it's like having a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they keep abusing you talking about you doing this and that on you cheating you and you just keep on going back and you keep accepting that type of abuse that's what the world does but we think that the world is going to change the world is here to stay until Jesus Christ comes and gets rid of the world Because there's no good in the world, in in the, the enemy's world systems. The enemy came to steal, to kill, to destroy. He doesn't have it in him. He has nothing on the inside of him that's going to be godly. So why do we keep flirting with the world? Why do we keep going back to that abusive relationship? Because we know that in an abusive relationship, that individual or the world will not change and will keep abusing you. Let's look at 1 John, the second chapter, verses 15 through 17. Jesus says this Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, Love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, look what's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires, what? Pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. For some reason, that bad date turns some of us on. Our pleasure senses rise each time it shows its lying and flirtatious face, the world. The world promises to satisfy legitimate desires in illegitimate ways. What does the world offer you? I want to go through what the world offers us. Because if you go back to 1 John, the second chapter, verse 15 through 17, it says that the desires of the world, they pass away. Do you want to keep being with someone and it's just temporary? There's nothing lasting in that relationship. You know that relationship will be off and on, off and on, off and on. But do you keep searching for that relationship? Or do you try to find a relationship that's going to be eternal and steady? Because if we have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus is consistent. We've seen his love. His love is what? Unfailing. His love is unconditional. His love never changes for me and for you. So why are we chasing those other relationships? (laughs) Look at what the world has to offer. The lust of the flesh, which is the desire for that which satisfies any of the physical needs. I'm going to give you some examples of how the enemy used the lust of the flesh to trick Adam and Eve. And then the enemy is so bold, the enemy comes at the Messiah, Jesus, when Jesus was fasting in the desert and he was hungry. But, but let's go to Adam and Eve. The enemy tries to fool Eve and is flirting with Eve. Adam is on, in the back just letting it happen. Come on, men. Are are you going to let somebody just flirt with your wife? I don't think that's going to happen. But Adam, he's just chilling out in the background. So the serpent is flirting with Eve, and then he starts to appeal to her, starts showing her some things, the fruit, and that fruit looks good, and it starts to appeal to Eve's appetite. How many of us that Satan is showing us some stuff in this world, such as money, such as material possessions, and it looks real, real good. It starts to appeal to our appetite, and then you know what? We forget about God, and we start chasing that fruit. Eve started chasing the fruit because it appealed to her appetite. She was hungry for other things besides God. And then Satan got so bold, he says, well, listen... I know I tempted Eve, Adam and Eve, and they broke. So let me bring that same game to the Messiah. While he's in the, the desert, just been fasting for 40 days, looking, the, the, the enemy says this, tells Jesus, hey, I have some, some bread for you because uh, you're hungry. Now, you're talking about the Messiah. But Jesus is the bread of life that we don't ever have to, what, hunger for. And so he's saying, it's not about physical food, this is about spiritual food that I give you and I'm the bread of life. Enemy, get out of here. You can't tempt me with that. Eating is legitimate. Gluttony is worldly. Sex is legitimate. Sexual immorality is illegitimate. And that goes all the way through it, y'all. It goes from adultery, fornication, to homosexual relationships. Okay? Now, I want you guys to stay here because we're going to talk about all those things. When we're talking about Satan's world and his system is about what? Bringing sin and making sin look good to us. I'm talking about all sin. And that means that every single person in here, this message is for including myself. This is not a singular message to try to put you on this side of the room to call you out. This is every single one of us in here because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? And then there's lust of the eyes, sin. And that's desiring and pursuing that which is not legitimate to have. You're coveting your brother's things. The Jones got a Mercedes you can barely afford a pinto. <laughs> I'm showing my age. <laughs> I probably should've used another example. <laughs> Cause my, I know my, my daughter's right here saying, Dad, what is a pinto? Is that a horse? <laughs> but you, some, of you, some of you old folk, you, you know what the pinto was, right? You're desiring what the Jones have and your last name is not Jones. But you want it, and you're envious of them. And look what happened with Eve. The fruit was pleasing and delightful to Eve, huh? It was, it was, it was delightful to her eyes. She saw it. Oh, wow, that looks good. Oh, I got I to have that. You know our eyes can be deceptive, huh? We see some things walking by us, not our spouse. And your eyes start to get big. (laughs) You start to look way too long. And and when you start looking way too long, you start to get in trouble. I I think with Eve, she looked at that fruit a little bit too long. Adam said, hey, 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 baby. Hey, 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 let's stop that. Let's move on. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the lusts of the eyes, and then Satan moves on to Jesus where he offers Jesus, uh, look, he offers the king of kings. He says, go over there and look, I, I got kingdoms of, in, of the world and their splendor, and you can have all of it. He's offering the king of kings, who's the ruler of all the rulers of this world, and he's trying to tempt Jesus with some stuff, with some eye candy. Are you getting caught up, men and women, on eye candy? On stuff to where you're filling yourself so much with that stuff that you don't even have room to start eating the word of God because you're full on that eye candy. Am I talking to somebody? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) And then the pride of life, living to impress others which leads to arrogance, the pride in self, presumption and boasting. Hey, pride is something, huh? Have you, have you been around folk with a chest out and they think they know everything and they're the best thing since sliced bread and don't know too much? Pr- the pride of life, trying to impress somebody. Man, trying to impress somebody, you can go broke. Just swiping that credit card. Swipe, 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 swipe. Negative balance. And then you start saying, hey, I need some help. Well, what happened? Oh, I kept swiping that card because I, I just, I, 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 hey, I want I wanted to show somebody, impress somebody that I'm, that I'm all good. I'm all that and a slice of bread. Look at Eve. Eve perceived that the fruit would make her wise, giving her wisdom beyond her own. The devil, look, in the serpent said, you can be like God. But really, he was saying, oh, you, you can get some things that God never promised you, and I can give it to you. That's what the world says. Oh, God, is stingy. Hey, you want to you be in a, this is, this is the enemy. You want to be in that relationship with that cheapskate? God I can't give you that, but I got way more to offer you. Why don't you come with me? Is the enemy flirting with you right now? and you're starting to take a little step towards him because you like those words or you like what he has to offer, that's what's in the world, right? Are are y'all following me? Worldliness makes the now more important than the eternity. Microwave, I got to have it right now. I want a microwave God, not a crockpot God. (laughs) I I need it right now. I'm making some of y'all hungry right now. (laughs) I might have some people walk out of the service. (laughs) Hmm? Listen, you love the world when it owns your affections and governs your choices by getting you to exclude God. Let's look at John 15 through 18. 15, 18, and 19. Are y'all with me? Come on, get your pad out. Get your notes out. Look at what it says. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. This is Jesus speaking, right? Let's go to verse 19. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. This is Jesus speaking to his church. A true believer in Christ is not the world's type. Have you dated somebody and after going out on several dates, you just say, man, that's not my type. I can't, I, I can't deal with that person right there. We have, We have nothing in common. Have you dated someone like that? Huh? You have nothing in common with the world. If the world loves you, that's a problem, and the problem is you. The world only loves those individuals that belong to the world. That means you agree with them. You've conformed to the world. Those things that are of sinful nature. All the, listen, and I'm, I'm not going to just specify just one or two sins because I think we do that in the church a whole lot. And then everybody thinks, oh, this sin is horrible, but that sin is okay. Oh, don't sleep with such and such, but I can be religious and not have a relationship with God. No. We're, we're all inclusive here, right? Every single one of you point to yourself, say. The worst talking about me. For those churches who want to be loved by all means necessary, I'm talking to the local churches. Remember, the world hated Jesus first. Some churches are opening up their doors to all kind of stuff in the world and accepting it, agreeing with it, conforming to it so that the people can love them. Which means, let me fill this place because I'm more interested in having every single seat taken by an individual than their souls living in eternity with Jesus. There are some churches out there that are loved by the world because they've cited with the world, in believing ungodly lifestyles are natural." Now we've all sin come short of the glory of God, but we don't stay in sin, right? We don't want to live in sin because the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. I love you enough to give you a hard word. There are some churches that say this. Well, Jesus never talked about that specific sin in the New Testament. So it must mean that Jesus stamped his approval on it. In the New Testament, Jesus even said, I don't speak or do anything until the Father has told me. Which means that Jesus... And God have the same spirit and they are lined in everything that's said in the word of God. So if Jesus didn't outrightly say it in the New Testament, as some folk are saying, and the Father said it in the Old Testament, then it means that Jesus agrees with the Father and you can't give me that explanation about where, where you're going to just carry yourself and just give you justification for your sin. Because Jesus can't what? Say something that the father told him not to say. Jesus can't speak against himself. He says that his word will not return void. Whatever he says has to come and it has to be aligned with his father because scripture tells us that. There's no contradiction in that. So don't believe what the world is saying and churches are starting to bring in some things, some lifestyles that Jesus and the Father said that this is not true, this is not worthy of my praise, and we're bringing it here on the stage. Sin. Now, your mind can go different ways about what type of sin I'm talking about, but I'm talking about sin. You have to know what is sin. If God the Father says it, so it is. Pastor Meyer, what do you believe about such and such sin? Whatever God's word says. You can't trick me. If you want to be mad at somebody, get mad at God. I'm just going to say what God says, not my opinion about certain things. I'm not going to come out and say, oh, these specific sins, I've mastered that. I don't do that. I don't do that anymore. So I'm going to target these. No, no. We're talking about sin. Because there's no sin that's good for you. And the enemy is wanting you to live in sin. He wants you to have a relationship with sin so you can be shackled by sin. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to unshackle you, to break you loose so you can have some freedom. <laughs> have you ever heard the term, we're not dating, we're just friends? <laughs> oh no. Pastor Mike, we're not dating just friends. That really means you want to remain close so that person will remain interested in you. There are some of us will never say, oh, no, no, I don't love the world, but the world's my friend. You want to give yourself permission to keep doing what you've been doing, and you don't want anybody to tell you, anything about it, because you want to feel justified in doing it, so you give yourself permission just to hold the world's hand. I don't love you, but I like you. And Jesus says, if you love the world, the Father, what? The love of the Father, is not in you. You okay with that? It's not too hard? Y'all following me? Let's look at James four. One through five. Oh man, we're about to go in it. This this scripture is—I mean, it gets after it. I love it. I love it. I, I've got to read this scripture to you. James is talking to the body of Christ. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to me and you. Are, are your ears open? Are your eyes open? You ready? What is causing the quarrels and fights among you, church? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? So if the church is bickering and fighting about certain things, doesn't it leak out into the world? Don't you lose your saltiness when you start to have let sin and the desires of the world come in your heart, then you're trying to go witness to Johnny on the street. You don't have any effectiveness because you're what? You have a relationship with the world. Verse 2, you want what you don't have, keep it up with the Joneses, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but when you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet, you don't have what you want because you don't ask for it. It's going back to prayer, huh? It's going back to prayer, right? But but what happens when you there's certain prayers that God can hear. Listen to these individuals' prayers, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You keep saying, "God give me, God give me, God give me," and you're not thankful for anything. But listen, that's all of us, y'all. I'm not pointing a finger. I told you that when my son and I, when we were talking, right, the message was for us. Selfish, God give me, God I want, God is all about me. And the scriptures say I must decrease while God, what, increases. So why am I praying prayers that where I'm increasing myself and decreasing God? My prayers is to be aligned with God. It's not to ask God to be Santa Claus. It's to say, God, I want my will to align with your will. And when your will aligns with God's will, your prayers will be answered. <laughs> Verse 4. God, man, James, you're going to get me in trouble. James called the church, you adulterers. Because Jesus is the bridegroom, the church is the bride. And what what Jesus is saying here, what James is saying, the Word of God is saying is that the church is an adulterer because he's flirting with the world. Adulterer. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I I say it again, he (laughs) says, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. We shouldn't be having relationships with the world because that is idolatry and we serve a jealous God. Husbands, wives, do you want your spouse to go off looking at other things, experiment with other things? I guarantee the answer is no. And if the answer is yes, then you need to see me after service and I need to pray and lay hands on you. (laughs) Friends, I'm just a friend. I won't go into that old Bismarck song. And you say, he's just a friend. First Corinthians 15, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Parents in the house, pa- parents in the house, haven't you told your kid before, hey, hey, don't play with Johnny. I don't want you around Johnny. Johnny is always getting in the trouble. Stay away from Johnny. Because what you're telling your kid, you're telling him that to protect him, not that your son or your daughter should not love Johnny, you love Johnny. You love him because he's a child, he's made in the image of God, but Johnny is doing some things and going about it in a way that could be what, influenced into your kids and your kids can walk in that path so you want to protect your kids from the dangers, right? From what Johnny will possibly bring. Now, what do you think about our Heavenly Father who loves you more than you love your kids when he's telling you, stay away from the world, because the world is gonna influence you in a way where you're gonna start to do some things that's gonna affect you negatively that can bring death into your spirit. Bad company corrupts good morals. The serpent was bad company to Adam and Eve and he enticed them to sin against God. Let me show you your future when you either fall in love with the world or choose to remain friends with the world. Vic, can you come help me? Let's go to 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verses 1 through 5. This is the character of the world. And and I want you to look at the scripture that we're going to read and say, hey, is some of this rubbing off on me? Because listen, it's not over if it is. I think some of this is rubbed off on everybody, but hey, God is is a healer. God's a deliverer, so I'm here to give you hope. Let's read 2 Timothy, third chapter, verses one through five. And Paul is talking to the younger Timothy, and he's saying this, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be difficult times. We are in the last days now. Are we living in difficult times? for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, which means mocking God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others or lie about others and have no self-control, they will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious. Man, I, Paul putting us, man, he's putting us all, stamping us and throwing us out there, every single one of us. They will act religious which means they'll, they'll come to church they'll pray they can memorize some scripture too and can tell you how to live your life but look but they will reject the power that could make them godly which means they can act a certain part look a certain part but on the inside their hearts are tied in and friends with the world. And so you start to see the fruit that they have, and that fruit doesn't look like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, love. The fruit starts to look like something else like what the world's fruit is. Gossiping, condemning, evil. Look what the Scripture says about it. With those people, because those individuals that we're talking about, That's unrepentant people. Because we shouldn't be running away. I mean, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But we should still be the salt and the light of the world. But when we're the salt and the light and people reject it, they're unrepentant of their sins. Paul is telling Timothy, look, stay away from people like that. Now, I know this is a tough word. That doesn't mean that we don't love people. That doesn't mean we don't continue to pray for people. But it means that when we're around people with bad bad company and it's starting to corrupt our character, it means that we have to stay away from them because if we don't, they'll start influencing us to be like them. And that's what the enemy wants in his world system. He wants to keep you there long enough so that you can continue to see sin after sin after sin. And you know what happens to your heart? It hardens to it. You don't even see sin anymore sin just gets natural we just do what we do and we have no clue that that sin on the inside of us is killing us and destroying our relationship with the father so what Paul is telling Timothy if you see people like that and if they're trying to bring you in you've got to walk away from them but we keep praying for them we love them we have compassion for them We're not stabbing them in the back and talking about them, right? We're not condemning them because as long as you have breath, you have hope. So what should you do if you're currently in a love relationship with the world? James 4, 7, 8 gives us hope. James says this, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Humility. How about confessing our sins? How about not being prideful and acting like sin isn't sin because the world tells us it's not? How about studying the Word of God and knowing what God's Word says and what Your pastors have been preaching to you and believing what God says and just man up and woman up and just say, I am not doing right. And God, I need your help. I repent of my sins, which means I have a change of mind. I change my mind so I can start walking in a different direction because you are a new creation when you are a believer transform the mind. I don't conform to this world. And all you have to do is humble yourself because the scripture says God opposes the proud, right? But he exalts those who are humble. He gives grace to those who are humble. So if you are a humble individual in the house today, you will receive the outpouring of God's grace. And that grace is the reward of forgiveness for your sins, And then resist the devil. This is a matter of your will. We can overcome sin. You don't have to remain in shackles of of sin because Jesus overcame the world on the cross. Jesus already defeated the enemy. So he's given the power on the inside of us. Don't give the devil so much credit and think that he can keep you down for the rest of your life. He's not that powerful. It's not a competition versus him and God. God is God, and the enemy still has to listen to the Father. He can't even touch you without God's permission. So stop giving the enemy all this power over your life and saying, well, the enemy made me do it, made me do it. No, sometimes you're fighting the inner me, I-N-N-E-R. You're fighting yourself. Resist them. Listen, if you're on a bad date and you don't like it, you just put the phone down and you block the number. So when the enemy keeps calling you, hang up the phone. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be your friend. You are not a good friend because you are an abuser. I'm not giving you permission to keep hurting me over and over again. I am finding a new friend, and that new friend is in Jesus. Because his love is eternal, and he's a kind God. He's a loving God. He brings me joy. He brings me peace. I don't want to continue to live in chaos by living in this world. I have a new relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm thrilled with you, world. I'm hanging up the phone. Don't dial my number anymore. Somebody in here is going to resist the devil and he will flee from you. He doesn't have a choice because God said it. And when God said it, it has to happen in your life. And then last, come close. Come close to God. We talked about at the end of this service, we have next steps. It means just take a step towards God. I'm not even going to have a measurement, only it's a big step, a small step, just a step. There's some things that God wants to put you on. He wants to put you in a place where you can start living in your purpose. And when you live in your purpose, there's peace in that. Your purpose doesn't just benefit you. Selfish, the selfish man just wants to what? Benefit me. Your purpose benefits everybody around you. And God is saying, I've got more for you. Yes, I want you to come and hear the word of God because it builds your faith, but I want you to start serving. I want you to start walking with me. I want you to start talking with me. I want you to start reading your scripture. I want you to start praying with me because I have so much for you. He loves you so much that he doesn't want you to just sit here. He loves you so much because you got something better, something greater. And so I'm just asking our congregation, everybody here today, just trust him. Take a step. Go to next steps after the 1030 service. We just want to talk to you about Jesus Christ, and I guarantee you, you are not faster than God. While you're taking a step, God is running towards you. Do you believe that, church? And then there's some of you today, your next step is just simply being born again. It's just to have a relationship with Jesus Christ because you've been in love with the world and you've gone on multiple dates and you've been hurt time after time after time after time again and right now you're like, I just can't do this anymore. And that's the great place to be in. Because you want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ because you know that Jesus Christ, you're safe with him you're safe he's your protector and he provides for you you're safe church every head bowed all eyes closed there's someone today who wants to be born again you want to know Jesus as your savior as your lord and it's as simple as ABC first just admit that you're a sinner humility Bringing the pride down, telling God, hey, I am a sinner. Because all of us in this room, we're all falling short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. And then B, believe that Jesus took all of your sin and he died on the cross for it. He was your sin bearer. And C, confess that he's your Lord and your Savior. You have to make Jesus boss over your life. Everything you come in, in submission to Jesus Surrender your life. If you surrender your life, your life will never be the same. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, will indwell in you. The Holy Spirit will comfort you. The Holy Spirit will give you peace. The Holy Spirit will also teach you and guide you. You're not going to walk this walk on your own. And God is also going to bring an incredible spiritual family into your life that can walk with you. That's why we're encouraging you to go to next steps. If that's you today, and you want to know Jesus, you want Jesus as your Savior, can I just see your hand if you want to be born again across this room? Thank you so much. Thank you all for responding to the love of Jesus. This is all this is. You're just responding to Jesus' love. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. All through across this room, we're going to say this prayer and saints, we're going to say that prayer with them. The prayer doesn't save you, but the prayer is a confession that you love Jesus and you're going to repent of your sins. Can we all join our brothers and sisters who raise their hands and repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin. I repent of my sins to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give God some praise? You may stand up. And for all of you who raised your hands to be born again, we're going to have our prayer partners in the front. Please come and get prayed for. We just want to know who you are. And thank you again for raising your hands and the courage uh, that you had to do that. Father, we thank you for your people. Thank you for your children, God. I pray that you bless their coming and their going. God, I pray that you would... You open their hearts to receive the word of God. And God, they will not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. In Jesus' name, can everybody say, I receive it. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful Sunday.